0: The Woodside Church podcast. Morning, everyone, and um, so good to see you. There's a few faces around that I haven't seen for a while. Sharon Hudson, <laughs> <laughs> wonderful to see you, my friends. I caught you a glimpse of you as we were worshiping, and uh, and you guys as well. Nice to see you too. So it's great. We're all friends. We're family here together, and um, it's my pleasure and privilege this morning to be sharing some things as uh, we look together at God's word and um, I trust you'll be blessed and encouraged as we go through this this morning. Well, um, I was told it could be my choice. Now that is a slightly risky thing and I thought about all sorts of things (laughs) and um, I, I did think about shall I just talk about the Olympics which I love. Or gardening, which i 'm increasingly getting into i 've recently retired, come off the church staff here, but still very much involved in a church life and uh, I thought no that i don 't really think that's what was being suggested when I was told it could be my choice. so having prayed and thought about it, what I settled on and i 'd love to share because it 's something on my heart is about building on a strong foundation. And I I don't know if, like me, these last few years, we've all done a little bit of that. (laughs) And I just wanted to reflect on that. I feel God's been sharing some things with me that I would just love to share with you. And thinking about these last two years, I mean, I think it's been challenging, probably for all of us, to a less or greater extent. And maybe I'm not. I'm a professional historian. I love history, but I wouldn't class myself as someone who's in-depth. But I wonder if this COVID pan- pandemic has been one of the worst natural disasters that the world together has ever faced. And now, we're obviously, we've got the situation in Ukraine, which um, on all sorts of levels has been troubling and very difficult. And a lot of us are emotionally and prayerfully involved in that. And on top of that, we keep hearing background conversation about economic impact, which has yet to fully hit. Now, if I left that there, I think you probably think, well, I want my money back. So I'm not going to leave it there, and you'll be glad to know. But I just want us to be real. And the honest truth is that these last two years have had an impact on all of us. And probably questions have arisen in our mind. And the question I want to ask you is how do we stay strong in God when we have been in the face of a storm? Well, one solution is to say, well, we need to get back into God's word, which provides for us a a kind of how to live your life guidebook. But there's also another part to that. We, we, I, need to apply it fully to every area of our lives. But I do want to add a caveat. I'm not stood here saying, I'm some sort of superhero, I have got it sussed. You've only got to ask Colin or my friends and they will tell you that I really haven't got it sussed. But I want together, us this morning, to be honest, because I do believe that God can bring fresh strength and faith and hope for each one of us. So I just want to pray before we read the scripture. Father, I thank you for being here this morning. Come Holy Spirit. I pray you You blow away the dust that might have settled on our hearts. I pray, God, give us fresh passion for you, for the things of God, for your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. We pray, God, you're stirring us. I have a real sense of you stirring us individually and as a church. But in that stirring, I hope and trust, Father, as we look at this this morning that you would do something in our hearts that kind of fixes things for us in the sense that we can look at you and have confidence again in what you are doing and the future. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I do think the words of Jesus recorded in Luke chapter 6 are particularly helpful. It's a very familiar story. Sometimes, though, it kind of gets confined to children's work, and it really isn't. It's uh, Jesus was talking, telling this story to his disciples, those who wanted to be his followers, and it's about a wise man. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So the parable encourages us to put the words of Jesus into practice. And kind of there are three statements that come out of those verses. Firstly, we need to have something to build on. Secondly, we need depth. And thirdly, we need to build well. So firstly, something to build on. The phrase that goes with that to help us is, he's like a man building a house, laid the foundation on the rock. Well, when I thought about doing this, I, I kind of had a bit of a chat with um, Pete Barrington, who's sat over here. And uh, Pete, his background, a uh, builder, and I, I thought, well, he's a good guy to ask, what's this stuff about foundation? And Pete's first response was, Ruth, I could lend you lots of books about this. <laughs> and I thought, books? <laughs> I, all I want is a paragraph. I, I, seriously, I had no idea that books about this whole subject had been written. But then, bless him, Peter kind of distilled it down into useful nuggets. And he said, what matters is the depth but not just the depth, that there's um, a natural foundation, which needs to be something that's solid, isn't going to move. And then on top of that, artificial foundation, which is what the builders will do. But the first step is to determine that foundation. And Jesus references in the parable, the wise man built on the rock. It doesn't Peter was very clear, he said, it doesn't have to be rock. But in this instance, that is what we're picking up, rock, something firm, solid. Do you know what? Since Jesus actually told that parable, nothing has changed. The wisest thing for us is to build our lives on the rock. But we have to have that rock in our lives to start with. We need to be at a place where we can give Jesus our lives and trust him with all that that means. But what is at the core of our lives? What is the most important belief for us? What do we put first? These are important questions to ask and we do need answers. We can't keep putting these off and and just kind of hope for the best. For many here in this room, I know that you have decided to follow Jesus and to make him your number one priority. When I was 13, um, I went to the Civic Hall in Plymouth with two other friends to hear a choir, um, which doesn't sound the kind of thing that most 13-year-olds would go to. But trust me, then in Plymouth, there was very little that happened. (laughs) We were kind of almost off the map. I, I think the only other memorable event in my teenage years where the Bay City Rollers turned out and everybody in the city was dressed in tartan, which when you think that Plymouth is firmly rooted in the West Country, that is a bit mad, to say the least. But it just shows you how little um, happened then. So this was a big deal. An American choir had arrived in the city. And myself and my friends, we went to hear this choir and uh, we were, being classic, 13-year-olds, we were running late, and the only seats available were near the front. In fact, when I did sit down, I realised that we were something like the second or the third row back, and the first row was filled with dignitaries, most of whom had got very heavy metal round their necks. Certainly the mayor was there and some of his entourage. See, I told you it was a big deal, having this choir turn up. Anyway, the choir sang the story of Jesus. And they um, went through Jesus' life, and, but majored on his death and resurrection on the cross. And as I sat there listening to this, I realised that this was truth. It's interesting that we've had lots of references to truth this morning. And I knew suddenly, that this was true for me. And at the end, when they asked if anybody wanted to make a response to come up the front and someone would be there to pray with them and help them on the next step, I rushed out of my seat. I didn't even talk to my friends, are you going to go forward, you know? I just did it. And I can remember, if I close my eyes, I can capture this moment even now standing in the main street called Royal Parade in Plymouth, waiting for a bus to go home. And it felt as if my very black and white world, my grey place, had gone into full-blown colour. It was that big a change. And do you know that was 50 years ago? And I've not regretted that decision for one moment been one of the best things i've ever done was give my life to jesus and do you know we've we've been encouraged this morning various means to kind of be talking about our relationship with jesus but there comes a, a first step for all of us and I, I just want to encourage you if you've not made that decision to give your life to jesus to be his and to have him in your life, then today can be your moment. We heard the story of the prodigal son who came back to the father, and while he was a long way off, the father ran to him. And that son had been a disgrace, really. But that wasn't how God saw him. It wasn't how the father in the story saw him. He ran to him and threw his arms around him, that was what he did for him. And you know, we can know that too for each one of us. God's arms around us, holding us. Particularly in these days, you know, when we might have thought three years ago that the world was a pretty secure place. And we have discovered, if we didn't know it before, the world is not a secure place, but God is. He is our rock, and we need to be building our lives on that foundation. So the first thing, Jesus as our rock. The second thing, we need to build with depth. So the verse in the parable, the phrase is, He is like a man building a house who dug deep. If you put shallow foundations down, any building that then goes on top of it will be compromised. I did find some amusing pictures on the internet which show very wonky houses that looked as if you blew on them, they would be gone. And the reality is that um, what we give our lives to will affect the depth of what we build on the rock. There aren't any shortcuts here. Effort and consistency will win the day. John Cromer, an author, has written this. Because what you give your attention to is the person you become. Put it another way, the mind is the portal to the soul. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. (sighs) Strong words, aren't they? In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. Having deep foundations as a Christian involves day-to-day decisions that shape us. So what are we giving our attention to? Well, there are some foundational things here. We can and probably should give our attention to things like prayer, our church community, reading the Bible, trusting God, worship, being obedient, seeking to become more like Jesus. We can all kind of say those things... But I don't know about you, but if I'm really honest, those like the circumstances in the wider world, those have gone up and down for me this last couple of years as well. And what I really want to do today is encourage us to press the pause button and just do a little bit of honest reflection. How are those things for each one of us? Since I was a child, I've always been fascinated by looking at a tree stump that has been left or, you know, after a tree has fallen or been cut down. And I, I love looking at the, the rings that are left on the trees, tree stump. I, I think you can get the idea from the picture. And I, I guess you know that each ring records the growth of that tree year by year. The depth of our foundation are also laid down, year by year. For a tree, the better the environment, the more rain that there is, the more water that tree is able to take up, then the wider the ring. If it's been a year of drought, the narrower the ring. But nonetheless, there is a ring there for every year. It is about running the race, day to day, year by year. Let me illustrate this another way by talking about my stepmom, Vivian. She was born in 1935 on a farm in Cornwall, the second of three children. And as she grew older, she decided to go into nursing. And after she did her initial training, she ended up as a midwife in the east end of London. And yes, they really did ride bikes, and yes, they did go to some pretty desperate places to deliver babies. Prior to this, she'd made a decision to follow Jesus and had felt a call to go into Methodist local preaching. All this shaped her life her nursing, being a part of a church community, marrying my dad, and raising her son, as well as looking after two inherited daughters, one of course being me. She's now 86, widowed, and not in the best of health, including dementia. Her short-term memory has largely gone, but things that have happened in the past are still there, And the depth of her Christian faith is still present. In fact, she sometimes says to me that she has no fears about facing death, as she is confident about going to heaven and meeting Jesus. As everything has got more complicated with her health, this helps me and her. She made a decision a long time ago to follow Jesus. And frankly, because of her dementia, if she wasn't a Christian now, it would be very hard to explain the gospel to her and anticipate some sort of response. She just wouldn't be able to follow it now. But because there's depth in her walk with God over the years, that decision's been made that is settled for her her foundations in God are strong even in the midst of the confusing circumstances that she might find herself in or maybe put it another way thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life So for us, as we store up those good foundations, we too can know life and have eternal life as we go beyond this moment. Thirdly, we need to build well. And the phrase from the story is this, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. We've mentioned some things already, such as prayer, worship, and reading our Bibles that help us to build well. But I just want to take a few moments to look at how we build well and avoid things that can cause us to, to stumble or come to a crashing halt. This list is limited, <laughs> but they are some of my personal favourites, mainly because they're lessons I've had to learn and are continuing to learn. So the first of these three is dealing with disappointment. Some years ago, I was leading a question and answer session with a church leader, and I asked him, what was the one thing that will take people out as they get older? He didn't hesitate. He immediately said, not dealing with disappointment. In his many years in pastoral ministry, that was his assessment. I was a little bit taken aback, to be honest, that that was the thing he came out with. But I I honestly think that if we allow disappointment to settle and to take root, it can be toxic. And we don't always realise it's happened until a long way past the event or the series of events. And I do think this is particularly relevant in our COVID world with its challenges. Our world is different and we're not going to go back to how it was. It's easy to say that, but it's actually potentially quite difficult to get to a place where we can move on believing that God has got it all in his hands. There is a moment here when we perhaps need to give up our right to understand God is God and I'm not and neither are you he is sovereign I am not I do not know the details of his plans and purposes and I do not always get it right I am not qualified (laughs) to be able to give an assessment on things. But God's character is one of utter trustworthiness, faithfulness, goodness, and justice. And we need to bow the knee again to the one who sits on the throne. Colin and... I, Colin's my husband, he was leading worship earlier on, for those of you who don't know. We've, we've known significant disappointments. We've not been able to have our own children. So it's not something that's not been part of our world. We've, we've had to deal with and process some of our disappointment. Still are having to. Many of our friends now are at the age where they're grandparents... And it's not going to be part of our story. But my encouragement to us all is to process, deal with some of these disappointments that particularly perhaps have come at our door the last few years. And to start to talk to God about those things and to commit our lives to him again. We recently went to London to experience a Christian Heritage Day, one of the gifts that Woodside Church gave to me when I retired. Thank you very much, by the way. And uh, during the guided walk in the afternoon, we stood outside the church that John Newton had been the pastor of, and we learned this story. In 1801, so a while ago, John Newton was nearing the end of his active ministry. And because of his gradually failing faculties, as eyesight was going, as were his hearing and memory, he was becoming more and more dependent upon his niece, who was also his adopted daughter, Betsy Catlett. And she helped him with his reading and writing the many letters that he was expected to respond to. So it was a particular trial for John Newton as well as for Betsy when she was committed to Bethlehem Hospital for about a year for depression. And Newton wrote this in his diary about Betsy and the situation that they were both facing. The language is a little quaint, but I hope you can pick it up. And this is what he wrote. Though I have many causes for thankfulness, for alleviations... My trial, you know, is great. I trust, however, that she likewise is thine and that your name is indelibly engraved upon her heart. O my Lord, bow, I beseech thee, my will to thine. It's such a powerful... Not God, you bow to me, but God, I bow to you. You've given me a desire to lie before thee as clay in your hands of the potter. Let your grace be sufficient for me. And Newton would walk every morning to the hospital and he would wave to Betsy Catlett. And when he saw her wave back to him from the window, he would return home and then do the same thing again the next day. Eventually, she did recover and came out and was well. But John Newton, in the midst of his trial, chose to trust God's sovereign purposes. He recognised that God shapes and moulds us. He was clay in the potter's hand. But he also told God how hard this trial was was for him that's such a helpful pattern for us to ask God for his grace but also to be honest with God and tell him about the challenges we face God knows anyway but he wants to hear us tell him too so the next thing in terms of building foundations being grateful This is such a good way to build depth in our foundations. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we read, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no exceptions here. It does say all circumstances. And uh, I was kind of thinking about this preach recently, and I was cleaning the cooker. I absolutely loathe that job, there's a few others nodding their heads. But I was thinking about what I was going to be sharing this morning and I thought, well now's the moment to put this into practice as I'm cleaning this oven. And I thought, what can I be grateful for as I do this job? And I thought I could be grateful for my home, the food we have, I was cleaning the cooker after all, The opportunity to extend hospitality, electricity and all the benefits that that brings. Even being able to get down on my hands and knees as I was cleaning it um, and finishing it right at the bottom. I did find it changed my perspective. But I bet you I'll have forgotten all this when I come to clean the oven next time round. Years ago I was feeling pretty miserable about not being able to have children. And I was in a right old, it's not fair kind of mood. And um, I, I, I needed to go out and post the birthday card and I, I vividly remember this moment as I was walking down the road with this, postcard, with this birthday card in my hands. I was saying in my head and to God, it's not fair. And I don't really know what kind of answer I expected God to give me. But what came back was, I want you to cultivate a spirit of thankfulness. Well, I hadn't really expected that in that moment. And my immediate response was, well, what have I got to be grateful for? And I then followed a long list. My eyesight... I could, after all, see where I was walking, my home, running water, my bed, my family and friends, the ability to walk, to read. and a whole long list. And by the time I got back, having done what I would gone out to do, I, I really felt quite chastened. But I also realised that this wasn't just a moment in time. It did need to be a bit of a discipline, a process, a foundation. C.H. Spurgeon, the great Victorian preacher, put it like this. Mercies should be remembered. It is a great wrong to God when we bury his mercies in the grave of unthankfulness. I could not have put that better. <laughs> so, my encouragement for each one of us in all our circumstances is to be thankful. And if that is something that we've got a bit rusty with, do you know what? Today's a great day to start again. Thirdly, being filled with the Spirit. Uh, I've said quite a bit about things we can do. But this isn't something that we do on our own. The Bible urges us to be filled and go on being filled with the Spirit. We need God and his presence dwelling with us. And this is key for us in laying good foundations. The Christian writer A.W. Tozer says this, The spirit-filled life is not a special, deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. So let's not leave this for special moments. Instead, let's ask God often to fill us by spirit so that we are all that he wants us to be. As we conclude, I want to pause and ask the question, how are your foundations? How are my foundations? Is there anything we might need to relay? We started by looking at the need to give our life to God and invite him to be our Lord and Saviour. If you know that isn't a decision you have yet made, you have an opportunity to do that today. And perhaps for some of the rest of us, we need to relay some foundations. It really isn't too late. Isaiah chapter 58 says, And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. So three questions. Is there any disappointment you need to hand over to God? Is there any neglect in terms of thanking God in all our circumstances? And Do you want to be filled again with his Holy Spirit? I was... When Ruth said about turning outward, I don't know about you, but there's a little bit in me that thinks, but I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite there. And as I'm sort of thinking that and knowing what I was gonna share this morning, I felt God just showed me this picture of a mat that just said, welcome. And I, what I really believe God wants to do in us as a church and individuals within that church family is to stir us afresh so that not only do we put out a mat that says welcome, but that we can go out from this building and like the father said to the prodigal son, run toward those who need rescuing. Do you know... Life's short. Life is really short. <laughs> and when, you're, when I was 13 and made a decision to follow Jesus, I, I didn't think that. <laughs> now I've just retired, I really think that. <laughs> and I, I guess having spoken with a friend of mine who lost her mother yesterday, you know, it, it comes home with real sharp clarity that life is short. And I don't know about you, but my heart, I want to make every day count. So my encouragement for each one of us is to, if we need to go back and come again to God and give our lives to him afresh, then let's do it. If we've got stuck in one of these areas that I've referenced about disappointment and we feel, do you know what, maybe you've had moments like Timber at work and you've shared with colleagues and it's not gone so well and you've really felt disappointed and you've said things like, I'm not doing that again. Maybe there's moments here now when we need to give those things back to God so that we can move on freshly envisioned for all that he's got for each one of us. So I'd just love to pray and, um, yeah, and Father, we... We give ourselves to you. That has got to be the starting point, Lord. We give our lives afresh to you this morning. But you know, Lord, in each of our hearts there are conflicts and sometimes decisions we've made or things we've said that have not built good foundations. So, Lord, I pray, root them out of each of our hearts, out of our minds, out of our thinking perhaps patterns we've established or things that are not helpful I pray oh God God of truth and revelation come into our lives afresh and lift those things from us that we can be with you on your mission God let your kingdom come afresh in each of our lives we pray Holy Spirit come and breathe on us fill us again Lord we just need you And I want to pray, Father, that this wouldn't just be a moment, but a a season of laying fresh foundations, good foundations built on the rock. Lord, we ask that you would come and meet with each one of us. We are yours, Lord, and we want to be those who live up to who you have made us to be and what you have called us to do. We thank you so much, Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.